James 1, 21 through 27 says this. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Do. Do. Obey. Watch your mouth. Keep your tongue in check. Visit orphans. Stay clean. I'm intentional in my tone how I say that. Because most of us, when we read this passage, that's what we hear. We, we think we're being fussed at. We think we're being given this stringent list of do's and don'ts that we will never measure up to and that we don't measure up to. And this is why most people don't like the book of James. Because of passages like this and the tone we assign it and the ways that we think it presents and we miss the truth of it. I love this passage. I love this passage. And my hope is at the end of the night, at the end of the message, you will love it as well. Because this passage is not about those things. It includes those things. This passage is about Jesus. Period. James one twenty one through 27 is not about our works and our efforts. It's about our awesome Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is vital, absolutely vital as a believer that you see this and that you know this. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that we get to come into this place and we just, we receive the benefit of being in your presence. Touched by you, changed by you, empowered and encouraged and loved on by you. You're never too busy for us. Your love is always great for us. Holy Spirit, right now as an act of my will, I just yield to you. And I say, do your thing. Guide us into all truth. Take the words that are being spoken by a man and and anoint them so that they go straight to the center of our heart where that our Father is glorified and His Son Jesus exalted. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to, to give in this place, even in the midst of making it about you. Lord, we give our time. We give of our finances, our resources. We give of our voice and our song and worship. We give. But Lord, we thank you that you are the great giver. We can never outgive you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's pick back up at James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive. Say the word receive. 
This is key. Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Question, what part of us, what part of our being do we receive with? In this passage, it says to receive the word implanted, which is able to bring freedom and salvation. With what do we receive? Is it, is it our hands? Because as soon as we receive it, because, you know, we, like a football, you know, we, we then take it and then we get to work. No. It is with our minds that we receive it and then we digest it and we chew on it and we, and we connotate it and then put that into action. No. The part of our being that we receive this with is our heart. Not, not the organ. Not the organ. The center of who we are. The center of our will. The center of who we are. When it talks about our soul, it's our, it's our mind, it's our will, it's our emotions. The heart represents the center of our being. The seat. The moral seat of where we are. Salvation comes from the acceptance of the implanted word of life and love which takes root in our hearts. And salvation does not come from anything we do except this. Receive with belief. That's it. Nothing we do brings about salvation except receiving, believing. That's it. And we do so with our hearts. In this passage, when it talks about the Word, are we talking about Scripture? Are we talking about spending time in the Word, in, in Bible, in study, in, in catechism? Is that what this is talking about when it mentions the Word? Taking the Word and having that implanted deep in our hearts? John 1, 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This word, Word, that we're using here is Logos, and it's the same word used in James chapter 1 and here in John 1. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. The word is Jesus. And when it talks about receiving the word implanted deep in our hearts, it's a challenge from James to receive the fullness of Jesus Christ into our lives and to let him go deep, to let him have access to the center of who we are, to the control center of who we are, of our will, he reigns, of our emotions, he reigns, of our mind, he reigns, and we let him renew us. But that's what James is talking about here. Salvation with God is about our heart. Receiving Jesus takes place in our heart. What we believe. What do we believe? We believe the things that we allow to penetrate our heart. This passage we read in James chapter 1 is about heart. I love what it says there in John 1.3. Nothing that brings life takes place apart from Jesus. Nothing, there's no life outside, apart from Jesus. We must live our lives not 
apart from Jesus, but beside Jesus. Walking with him, clinging to him. So how is your heart? How is your heart? How is your heart condition? Right actions. Right actions can only come from what? Our right heart. Right actions don't follow a bitter heart. Bitterness follows a bitter heart. Right actions don't follow um, even, even at times a truly wounded and devastated heart. What comes from that is hurt. There's a saying, hurt people hurt people. We're in need of a Savior. We're in need of a healer. We're in need of someone to touch the center of who we are and to change our lives so much that running to Him and staying beside Him is the natural response. So how do we get a clean heart if our heart's not clean? How do we get a right spirit if it's not clean? This one's easy. This one's so easy. It's beautifully and wonderfully easy to answer. I have your attention. This is wonderful. This is great. I'll tell you what the answer is not. It's not, okay, go and spend four hours in prayer. Four hours in prayer, two hours in the Word. Help help 17 or 16 orphans and two and a half widows. Two and a half. I, I didn't write the rules. I, I'm not the rule maker. I'm just quoting it. And it's not in here. If our heart is in need of being clean, we ask the Father to clean it. That's it. It's nothing we do. It's nothing we generate. It's nothing we bring about. It's nothing that our actions will then transform into. If we're in need of a clean heart and a renewed mind and a right spirit, we ask the Father. Here's our scriptural example. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew an unwavering and loyal capacity of thought, especially of moral character within you, within me. That's what he's asking. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not cast me away from your presence. Friends, we have got to learn to value, to crave, to be utterly dependent upon the presence of God. Here is David crying out, Don't cast me away from your presence. I'm flawed. I'm in need of a clean heart and I don't got it. But please don't push me away. Here's the beauty. The heart of our Father says, Come close. He never pushes us away. We don't ever have to worry about the Father casting us out of His presence. It's sin that casts us out of His presence. But there's been a solution for that. The blood of Jesus. There's a solution for that. Sin separates us from the love of God, but God made a way for that. And it was through the voluntary action of Jesus Christ going, I will do it. I will do it. I will pay the price with my blood. There's sin paid for. And here's David saying, cast me not away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Are we this honest and vulnerable to God with our prayers? Oh my gosh, I love this prayer. Love this prayer. Look at the vulnerability, the brokenness, the honesty. 
friends, our God knows no other way to respond to us except relationally as our Father. He knows no other way. It's not within Him. And when we call out, Lord, renew me, He draws us close and He touches us and He and He, he doesn't deprive us of His presence, of His Holy Spirit. But there has to be a crying out. Because if we don't cry out, I promise you, this is what our response will be. I can fix it. I can do something. If I do this, if, if, I, if I do this much repentance or this much action, I, I, can, I can wash away the filthiness. That's, that's bull. There's no bath that can do that. Only the blood of Jesus. So we cry out to the Lord. Question. Do you really think that works? I mean, honestly, let's just be Do you really think that works? It's that simple. Just to cry out to God and He's going to respond in love and grace and acceptance and forgiveness. Is it, do you think it's that simple? We better think it's that simple. We better know it's that simple. It is not about us. It is not about what we do. It is about a loving God. And for us to have His heart, we ask Him to give us His heart. Give me your heart. Lord, I'm flawed. Give me your heart. Lord, I'm angry. Lord, clean me. I feel empty. And I need you to fill me. Lord, I feel dry. I feel broken and I need you to fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your thoughts. That's what a renewing of mind is. Fill me with your thoughts. Renew my spirit. Lord, give me your desires. We have to believe that this is exactly what God wants. We have to believe that this is exactly what God wants to do and is able to do. In fact, friends, we've got to understand that this request, this prayer to the Lord is the very center of who God is and He can't help Himself. He can't help Himself but respond by pouring out His love, by pouring out His grace. He doesn't have a lesson for us in it. Well, let me tell you what you should have learned through this. No, he responds with love, with grace. And a lot of times, you know, we're like, well, Lord, let me explain. Shh, no, come here. And he just puts his, our face right in his chest. And we're like, and he's like, don't stop mumbling. Just, just feel my heart. Hear my heart for you. I love you. He can't help himself. That is his nature. Guys, this is what we've got to believe. It is not the nature of our God that he's angry. Because, see, Jesus paid for that anger. He bore that on the cross. All of God's wrath, all of God's anger was satiated. So when the Father looks at us, I'm telling you what He sees. He sees redemption and grace. There's no sin. There's no flaw. There's no... That's not what He sees when He sees us. He sees us through the lens of the completed work of Jesus Christ. That is it! If we believe in Jesus, we have to believe what I just said. If we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, we have to believe what I just said. Otherwise, the work of Jesus Christ was incomplete. 
and, and this Bible is a lie. The work of Jesus Christ was complete and finished. And God's love for us is full. That prayer, fill my heart, clean my mind. I want to challenge us. Let's not make that a rare prayer. Let's not make it a rare prayer. See, David prays this here because he is in a, in a place where he had just sinned. He had just blown it. And he had been called on it. The prophet uh, Nathan had called him on it and said, this is what you did. And David was just convicted and he runs to the Lord. He runs to the Lord with this prayer. After, after having extramarital an extramarital affair, the woman gets pregnant. He has her husband killed. And this is his response to run to Jesus. Friends, surely you and I can run to Jesus. Amen? If we don't run to Jesus, our response is to run from him if we don't run to him. If we don't run to him, we will avoid him. We'll keep him at arm's length because we don't feel worthy. We don't feel worthy. No, we run to him because he is perfect and he loves us and his grace is abundant. What do our prayers sound like when we're feeling empty, dry, far from God? When we're not close to walking beside him? If your prayers are anything like mine, they're short. They're impatient. They're questioning. They're doubtful. What do our actions look like when we're feeling empty and far from God? Our actions with others. The same. The same. Short. Curt. Impatient. Without grace. We're smart people. I think we're smart people. Why would we expect our actions to be any different when our heart is in that place of hurt and pain? Hurt people hurt people. And that's how we're going to respond. That is why... We need to make room for Jesus. Going back to, to James one twenty one, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. What is James saying? Make room for Jesus. Get rid of the junk that only hurts, that doesn't help. Put it aside, all of it. Make room for Jesus by getting rid of the garbage. Do it. And then receive Him. That's what He's saying. Put aside all filthiness. Push it aside. Put it aside and draw God close. Run to Him. We don't have an infinite supply of being able to receive and give out. So what are we filling our hearts with? There ain't nothing infinite about us. So what are we filling our hearts with? What what is there filthiness that needs to be pushed aside? Let's not, you know, jump through hoops to push aside the filthiness. Let's just push it aside. There's no penance we got to pay to receive God's grace. Just receive His grace. 
man, this isn't rocket science. And this isn't heavy. This is a message of grace. Put aside filthiness, receive life, and let it go deep into your heart. That is what he's saying. You ever feel stagnant in your faith? You ever feel stagnant and stale? As though you're just going through the motions? Has sin ever driven a wedge between you and God? Making Him seem distant and not close. This is how David felt. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation because I'm not feeling it. Restore unto me the freshness of my love for you because I'm just not feeling it. Restore my heart. That's David's prayer. What a vulnerable, awesome, fantastic, courageous prayer. Do we have that much courage to do the same? God wants us to be close to Him and to experience His joy and His full and complete life. But sin that remains unconfessed and unremoved makes intimacy with God impossible. Did you hear me? Sin that's unrepented of, unconfessed, and unremoved, put aside, makes intimacy with God impossible. It's hard to be it's hard to be intimate when you know there's a secret you haven't brought to light and you feel like a like a fraud. You feel like a chump. We're not supposed to feel that way. And it's as simple as pushing it aside and saying, Lord, I've made room for you. Lord, I've made room in my heart for you. I filled it up with a lot of other stuff. I filled it up with a lot of other stuff, Lord, but I'm pushing it aside and I'm making room for you. And guys, it is that simple. And then we ask and we receive. So running to God instead of from Him. Clinging to Jesus. We confess our sin to God. We receive His grace. Now there still might be some earthly consequences as a result of that sin. There might. If I go rob Blackjack Pizza, I can repent all I want, but there are consequences, and I will now have a jail ministry. There are consequences, okay? There are, but, but you know what? I can have that jail ministry with complete joy because I will be forgiven. I will have found grace and joy and forgiveness. And the joy of my salvation does not have to be um, minimized just because I did some stupid things and, and I've got to kind of walk some things out. Now, that's an extreme example. But apply it to all the little ways in our lives as well. Guys, let's not allow barriers between us and God. And, and let's not walk in anything less than the fullness of His joy. Verse 13 of Psalm 51. Then I will teach your transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. You guys, the more we experience God's grace, the more we can't help but talk about how good He is. I'm not talking about quoting Scripture. I'm talking about talking about Jesus your healer. Talking about Jesus, your Savior. Talking about Jesus, the one who delivered you from chains and set you free. I'm not talking Bible. I'm talking Jesus. It's not the Bible that saves. It's Jesus. 
Let's go back to James. Verse 22 of James 1. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. We have covered hear the word, receive the word, and now we're up to obey the word. Earlier in James, hear the word, receive the word, obey the word. But let me be something abundantly clear about something right now. Being obedient to God, please hear me. Being obedient to God is not about obligation. Being obedient to God is not about some sort of a religious obligation. It is the natural response that comes from an intimate, loving relationship with God. Okay? Me being faithful to my wife, that's not an obligation. That's not an obligation. That's a natural overflow of my love for her. There's nothing obligatory about it. Our being obedient to God is a result of being, us going close to where He is, to hearing Him, to receiving His Word, and to just getting beside Him and going, where are you going? Where are we going next? I, no, my day's free. This way? Absolutely. Belief. Love. Commitment, trust, heart. Being obedient to God is about heart. It is about the condition of our heart. It is about the state of our heart. Do we believe? Do we trust? Do we love? Are we committed? It's about heart. And our heart's got to be renewed. Our heart's got to be full of Him. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word, a hearer of Jesus and not a doer, doesn't obey the words, instruction, the example of Jesus. He is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. After looking at his face in the mirror and going away, he immediately has forgotten what kind of person he was. You guys, he's not talking about he has immediately forgotten about what he looks like. It's much deeper than that. What he's talking about is he sees his face in the mirror and then walks away and he forgets the condition of his heart and that he has given his heart to one that is greater, that is forgiven. And that word forgotten is, here comes a horrible pronunciation, uh, apilantha nomi, we'll take it. And here's what it means to forget, neglecting, no longer caring for, forgotten given over to oblivion to stop caring for. This is what it means that they've immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. It's saying that if we're just hearers of the word and not doers, we're like a person who has forgotten who we are. We have forgotten our identity. We have forgotten our destiny. We have walked away and said, I just don't care anymore. I will say this. Being a hearer of the word and not a doer brings about apathy. It brings about an apathetic life. Whether we just don't care, whether we're just not passionate. And I promise you, there's nothing that the devil wants more than an apathetic people who just don't care, who lack passion, and who are not willing to take a stand for Jesus Christ. What he wants is us quiet and apathetic, forgetful, not caring who we are. 
we stop caring about the person, the person that God redeemed. We stop caring about the destiny that He's called us into. We neglect our destiny and haven't forgotten the new person that we are. We walk away from Jesus, from His love, from His grace. So how do we act when we're not close to or walking beside God? Same way, short, grumpy, callous, apathetic. You guys, it's all about it's all about the state of our heart and making room for Jesus in our lives. All of it. It's about pulling ourselves close to Jesus. See, because because he, he he wants nothing more than to pull us close. But once again, we've got choice. We've and he's like, this is I'm I'm walking according to my Father's will. Walk with me. Oh, you got it, Lord. And then we get easily distracted. We take our eyes off him. Where's he at? James one twenty five. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So once again, let me clarify some terms. Let's make sure we're abundantly clear on terms, on terminology. What is the perfect law again? What is the perfect law? What is the law of liberty? Jesus. It's not some set of rules we're supposed to adhere to. It's we look at the perfect law. Jesus fulfilled it. The perfect law is grace, love, fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ. The law of liberty and freedom accomplished by Jesus Christ. And what are we supposed to do? This this passage is wonderful. Love this passage. Love James 1.25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty... We look to Jesus. It says right here. We look to we look to Jesus with eager anticipation. We look away from wicked from wickedness and we look to Jesus. I've set my eyes on, on, on this, and this is short of God's glory. So I'm setting my eyes back on him. Perfect liberty. Perfect love. And abides by it. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it. Let's leave verse 25 up there, please. Abides. To remain beside. To be near. To continue to be near. To abide. We look to Jesus. Oh, there He is. And I'm here. And then we move towards Him and we stay. We abide. We abide by Him. Simple stuff, guys. We look to Jesus. It's dark. It's dark. Jesus can't be... There He is. I go to Him and I abide with Him. Remember that verse we read in John? Apart from Him, nothing. Abide with Him. Life. Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. 
When we walk next to Jesus, I promise you this, guys, golly gee, I promise you this, we will constantly be reminded of who we are. And we will be walking out our destiny. I don't know what my destiny is. I don't know what my purpose is. Then walk next to Jesus until he just shows it to you. But I promise you it's not going to be found outside of Jesus. Get next to Jesus. Set your eyes on him. Walk beside him. And just let him unfold it for you. Are you in a hurry? Man, enjoy this step. And the next step. And the next step. He'll show you what your purpose is. He'll show you what... He's not going to hide his calling from you. He wants you in it. Just walk with him. Just walk with him. And enjoy if he starts singing, sing with him. He's got a great voice. He's a heck of a whistler. Just hum along with him. Walk with him. And know what our destiny is. So what is our destiny? It finishes it up right here. This man will be blessed in what he does. Our destiny, blessed. Our destiny, blessing, happiness. I'm with Jesus. I'm happy. What else could I be? If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Are we, are we seeing the theme here? Are we, I mean, are we catching the theme? I said this was a smart group. Are we catching the theme? Heart. You guys, bridling the tongue is not about willpower. Heart. It's about having a right heart with God. Bridling the tongue is not about being a stalwart whatever. It is about heart. It's about your condition of heart. And are you with Jesus? Real tough to bridle your tongue outside of Jesus. And we're just going to say and do whatever just pops in our tiny little brain. Don't work on your tongue. Work on your heart. Call out to God for a clean, filled up heart. Are you, tr- are you struggling with, with your thought life? Are you struggling with what, what you allow your mind to meditate on? Are you struggling with anger? Are you struggling with depression? Are you struggling with matters of the, of the mind? Are you struggling with loneliness? or rejection, or matters of the heart. Call out to the Father and ask Him to renew it. Call out to Him and ask Him to fill it. Use those words. Fill my heart. Fill my heart with you. The result of this calling out, the result of the subsequent infilling, and this renewal, we get to walk with Jesus. And then just have enough faith to walk with Him. It's not, it's not minute rice, okay? Okay, it's not, it's not microwave popcorn. Have the faith to walk with Him and trust Him to unfold what's next. Walk with Him. Don't expect minute rice with Jesus. Walk with Him. Because so often, what He has for us is gained and received and fills us up in the midst of the journey, in the midst of the walk. And character is forged. And our hearts 
Next time you go, we're like, oh my gosh, it's strong, it's healthy, it's renewed. James one twenty seven, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. There's, there's not a message for me to preach on this outside of what I just preached. We want to keep our, ourselves unstained from this world. There's one place I can promise you you'll succeed at that. Right? Beside Jesus. At his side. Walking in faith. Walking in faith. You've heard him. You've received him. Now you do life with Jesus. When we hear Jesus, when we set our eyes on Jesus, when we receive Jesus and walk beside Jesus, then we will never have to strive about doing what? Obeying Jesus. It's a natural flow of a love for Him. It's not heavy. It's not religious. It's not obligatory. It's love and it flows. Does that make sense? Are you liking this passage a little more than when I started? One of the wonderful benefits of walking with Jesus is we can't help but doing what He does. Isn't that awesome? We walk with Jesus. We end up doing what He does. We're right there beside Him. When we walk with Jesus, we will experience the life that God has destined for us. Godly actions, they follow. They follow. Right actions follow a right heart. And we can only have a right heart through and in Jesus Christ.